My name is Chris R. And I'm very grateful recovered alcoholic. And uh, golly, just what a crowd to follow. This is not fair. I just got to say, you know, I mean, uh, it was so good to see some of you guys. I hadn't seen Mike in ages and uh, got a chance to say, you know, it's just this so nice to share podiums with folks I've shared with a million times. And, and um, I'm just, I'm delighted to be here and uh, share a few things with you as always. Anytime I share folks, I want to mention, I'm going to share my experience and my experience may be different than anybody else's. And, and, um, you know, something that along the lines that uh, what Peter was just talking about, um, you know, any of y'all that heard me back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was a bit of a firebrand. I could, you know, I could, you know, I was pretty rigid. And um, and I'm if I could go back and change that, I would. Over the years, you know, you just kind of learn some things and and uh, learn to be, uh, you can say the same thing without pissing off half a room. And uh, it's just... I don't know. We all went through it. I watched Mark go through it. You know, everybody at a certain point, you realize, uh, you know, I came to the realization uh, quite a while ago that um, uh, the most middle of the road knucklehead out there loves AA as much as I do. And uh, guys, everybody's path may be a little bit different. I am. I'm I'm pretty poignant because I nearly died sitting in the rooms of AA. So it's part of my story. And I'm not saying that to be critical of anything or anyone, but I'll uh, I'll visit about it a little bit. I, I got to tell you, I am. Um, this time last uh, week, I was in Akron, Ohio. I got to do a little workshop for the Akron Intergroup last week, and it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I got to speak at Founders, and then and we couldn't be there in person, so I said, you know, let's do a little workshop sometime. And of course, they took, you know, they call my bluff, and uh, and it, it, we we got to do it. And so, a uh, little story Friday night, and then a workshop on on uh, Saturday, and then uh, it was funny because it was my AA birthday. I was. November 13, uh, 1987. I got had 34 years. It was kind of cool to be able to sit in Akron, the birthplace of AA, and, and celebrate your AA birthday. It was, it was, I couldn't have planned it that way, guys. I assure you, I didn't plan it. And uh, it was the way it was. But the next day, we got a, on a little history tour out there in Akron and snowing like a son of a gun. And we were out there going around the sites and got to stand in the gate lodge. I'd been to the gate lodge before, but I'd never been in it. And I actually got the chance to go in and, and uh, stand in the library where Bill and Dr. Bob had their first meeting. And they have their original furniture back in there. So you can see the seats where they actually sat. And uh, I don't know. That stuff just amazes me. You start thinking about it, guys. What was it, 86 years ago? These guys got together, and because they, you know, were so divinely guided, uh, I'm alive today. Because I got to tell you, uh, I was heading for the toilet and uh, heading for the toilet quick uh, in uh, November 87. And I'm forever grateful for that. And I also came away from that trip with a, a renewed sense of responsibility towards our fellowship. And um, I've made every mistake you can make in Alcoholics Anonymous, I guarantee you that. And um, I'm gonna continue to try to do the very best I can not to make those mistakes and to, uh, to try to continue to carry a message that's clear and straight out of the book. And because uh, I believe that that responsibility is, is laid on at our feet. And uh, good news is we all get to do it a little bit different. So, you know, my story, I, uh, I actually live in the Hill Country. I live up in Ingram, Texas. I still live in the same town uh, where uh, where I lived when Mark Houston, when I first met Mark. And uh, I uh, I was a professional chef for a bunch of years, ended up in North Texas. I was married and um, 
tried to save a marriage, I went to, um, gosh, this was early 80s. I tried to, uh, um, I was really done with, with, with the alcohol folks. It was, it's, I mean, it was just not fun anymore. Uh, but it was one of those deals so many people don't understand. When I stop drinking, I get worse, not better. And I never understood years until years later, working with Mark, uh, the, put the verbiage to that, what that was about, that spiritual malady that we talk about. But um, I went to, uh, um, came home, had a pushing match with my wife and made a commitment that I wasn't going to drink anymore, uh, begged her forgiveness and uh, went to AA the next day. And uh, nicest bunch of folks you ever come across. And uh, a lot of one-liners and a lot of, you know, and I ended up, um, I don't know, a week and a half later drank and that marriage was over. And um, I spent the next seven years in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I knew intuitively that it was the place to be, folks, because I could see people getting sober in those rooms. I knew they were getting sober, but um, I wasn't having much luck with it. And um, I just, y'all know the drill. If I, you know, I'd stay gone for two months and I'd get drunk and make a debacle and I'd go back in, sit in the rooms with my arms folded you know, waiting to be offended again, you know, just, and, you know, my only grinder is, is that the rooms that I was in, folks, there was, it was back in the day, nobody was carrying big books in there, you know, and it's, I talked to lots of old timers back in the day that talked about the same thing. I'm sure that within a walking distance, there were uh, other groups where they carried big books and they talked about the solution. I didn't know that. I, I, I said it from a million podiums in my 34 years, folks. When, what makes us believe that the newcomer is going to know the questions to ask? Even if they've been to treatment, they don't know. They can walk in and they're just lost and uh, they don't know. And uh, I, you know, in and out, they tell those stupid war stories and I can't relate to the war stories because I'm not doing the crazy stuff y'all are doing. And, um, and I'd leave again. You know, I'm not like y'all. I knew something was wrong and I'm seeing a doctor and I'm on all kinds of medications and I'm going to counseling and therapy. And I, guys, you can't be this unhappy and not have something wrong. It's just that simple. And um, I uh, God, tried to commit suicide in uh, November 13th, 1987. And I uh, uh, believe God intervened in that little attempt and I made myself sick and made a promise that I'd go back to AA the next day. And, and, uh, I did. And, uh, it was so funny. It was, I got to tell you guys, there was a piece of equipment that I've never seen break, never broke since, but that day it broke and I was tied up on it and couldn't go to the meetings. I was running late and I couldn't go to the, the meetings I'd, I'd been going to. And, um, which turned out to be a blessing. Because uh, I ended up going to another meeting I'd never been to, but I knew where it was. And uh, I don't know, God tell me it was a big book meeting. And I walked in those in those doors, folks, and uh, they uh, they were all carrying big books. And they went around a room that night. They all knew me from North Texas. And they all went around a room and they shared some hope with me. They talked about how their lives had changed as a result of working the steps. And uh, there was nobody telling me stupid war stories, trying to scare me into recovery. And um which I was grateful for. And um, on the way out the door, these two old guys got around me and they opened a big book and they, and they uh, showed me the first pages of the book and the doctor's opinion and uh, page on 24, where it talked about the mental obsession and they qualified me. 
some of the other speakers, I think it was Marty, somebody mentioned it, you know, that, that the first time I was ever qualified, seven years in AA and nobody, you know, you're an alcoholic if you say you're an alcoholic. That's just not true. You're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous if you say you are. That's true. But you're guys, there's, you've got to have certain symptoms to, to be one of us. And this is why Bill Wilson over and over in the big book, I think like four times, he talks about the different kinds of drinkers. Remember the moderate drinker, the hard drinker. But what about the real alcoholic? Guys, let me tell you, AA is chock full of hard drinkers. There's a lot of people in AA that don't have to do what we have to do. And um you know, I'm looking through these pages, all these wonderful people here. I know so many of y'all. I've seen you at conferences and meetings and stuff, places we've been and our paths have crossed. And it's so good to see you. A lot of people don't have to do what we have to do. And that's just perfectly okay. You know, but I was freaked out. I went home that night and the first time I understood that I was an alcoholic. I'd called myself that for years, but I first, but I, it was the first time I actually believe that I was. And these old guys helped me uh, understand that if I would work these steps quickly, like the book talked about, that I could have a spiritual experience and recover, uh, just like Mike said. And uh, the obsession would go away and I'd be set in a different spot. And uh, and I did, folks. Two weeks later, I've got a completed fourth step, ready to do a fifth step. And these guys are showing me the disciplines of 10-11. And, uh, and I've had a spiritual experience. I sat on the tailgate of my truck. And it dawns on me that the obsession's lifted somehow in there. I've seen people, thousands of people, folks. I've worked in the treatment business forever. I'm a clerical worker. I've worked, I watch thousands of people sit in treatment and have spiritual experiences. These old guys sitting in meetings telling you, you can't have spiritual experience for years. That's just somebody's stupid opinion. That's okay. You know about opinions. So you can have them. And I did. I was changed, folks. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, I had a spiritual experience and that obsession lifted. And, and um, five years later, I ended up, uh, I got married and uh, ended up back here in the hill country where I grew up. And uh, uh, I walked into this old smoky club over there. Guys, this is back in the day when you could smoke in meetings still, right? And this big old club was, it looked like a like a, a barbecue pit when you walked in the door. All that smoke would boil out. And it was like I'd be smokers in there with 15 cigarettes in their mouths. And I walked in and I heard this guy laughing across the way. This big old, you know, Katie Parker, you know, imitated him perfectly earlier. That big old laugh from his toenails. And Mark Houston was over there talking trash to somebody, laughing his butt off. And, and he shared in the meeting, but he's, and he talked about the work and he talked about what was happening with him. And, and uh, I got to tell you, it was pretty, pretty powerful. I watched him for a few weeks, guys. I just to paying attention and finally asked him to sponsor me. And uh, it was 1993, guys. And, and uh, he uh, he was working at a treatment center out here. And uh, as he's the one that hired me in 1993 to do clerical work. I worked in his little alumni department and, and I was really blessed folks for 17 years. Uh, he was my sponsor. And um, for uh, most of those years, uh, uh, well, I can't say most of them, about half those years, we worked together. And so I got to see him every day and uh, I got to watch. It became real clear to me real, real quickly that his feet were doing what he was saying he was going to do. I, I'd come across a lot of people, guys, that would talk a mean game, but but they weren't doing much as far as the other stuff. And he continued to talk God, so much about uh, the things that we were supposed to be doing. And uh, golly, he talked. He was the first one that started talking to me about the spiritual malady. And I guarantee he's one of the first ones that showed me the bedevilments on page 52. This internal stuff that goes on with me when I'm not drinking. 
See, so many people out there just, they're still unclear. They believe if I stop drinking, that treats alcoholism. Alcohol treats alcoholism. <laughs> you take the alcohol away from me, I get worse, not better. I come unglued at the seams. And uh, that's why more of us try to offer ourselves in sobriety than we do out there drinking, is that we're just not happy. And uh, you're not going to be if all you're doing is sitting in, well, I can't say that. If you're an alcoholic of my variety, like Bill talks about, just go into meetings and listen to a bunch of one-liners is not, is not going to do it for you. There's actually has to be some things accomplished. All Every one of the other speakers that spoke before me have shared the same thing. This entire thing is about action. It's not about quoting the book. It's not about reading. It's not about how many meetings you go to. It's about the actions that you're taking. The spiritual program of action is what, is what Mark truly clarified in my little life. It was, um, <laughs> he used to talk about, somebody else said it earlier, this I smell more. You know, it was so, because we, I got to tell you, back in the day, in the early 90s, guys, when we got together, I mean, we were in a land, there's a, because there's treatment centers all over this area. This is a big recovery community. And there's a thousand meetings down in here. And there's a, we were in a, in a sea of, of middle of the roaders. And I'm saying that with all love and respect, but these are a lot of people up there that were just saying over and over, you know, if you're not, if you haven't drank today, you're having a successful day. You're a good, you're a winner, you know, but you're, but you haven't drank today, but you're thinking about suicide. There's, there's a problem. Uh, you know, <laughs> Mark understood. Uh, somebody mentioned it earlier. Uh, nine years sober, ended up at a psych ward in Houston. He didn't drink, but he was going crazy because he had stopped doing the disciplines. What we were been talking about all day, out, day out, all afternoon. They've been, he he stopped doing all of that, and and uh, uh, had to get back in the trench and start doing service and start doing you know inventories and and. We come from a sponsorship lineage, folks. Joe Hawk sponsored him, Don Pritz, you know, Paul Martin, you know, wonderful man. God dang, Gary, my sponsor now, Gary B up in Indianapolis, and, and on up the up the deal. Uh, uh, Tom Powers and Bill Wilson. I mean, we, we got this all pretty straight. These folks were all doing the work quickly, and they were all getting excited and trying to go help somebody else. That's what this was about. It still amazes me how many people can't quite figure out how this thing I mean, I'm going to read something to you real quick. This is in a letter that Bill Wilson wrote in 1966. So this is about five years before he passed away. About 31 years after his last drink. This is why freedom from alcohol through the teaching and practice of AA's 12 steps is the sole purpose of the group. If we don't stick to this cardinal principle, we shall almost certainly collapse. And if we collapse, we cannot help anyone. Did y'all see that word, sole purpose? It didn't say one of our purposes. It says we have a responsibility to do one thing. And that's carry that message to the newcomer. I'm so grateful, guys. I got to say it. I, I can't share it from the podium without saying it. I'm so grateful that everybody in my sponsorship lineage, there was a guy named Don Smith. He's passed away. And I loved him to death. He's the, my first sponsor. And um he uh, he left the fellowship after a while, and uh, we, we we lost him uh, down the stream. But but he's the one that understood this, guys. And, and uh, uh, Phil P sponsored me, and and uh, then then Mark. And uh, 
all of these folks, guys, the old timers that got around me, uh, didn't spend a minute telling me what I couldn't do. They didn't spend any of this, not, not a second telling me what I, all the dogma and the nonsense that makes us look cultish. They didn't do any of that nonsense. They said just exactly what Peter was talking about in a very gentle, but very direct way. This is what we do. But if you want to change, I don't mean just not drink today. If you want to recover and be taken to that position of neutrality, then there's some things that you're going to have to do. And I, it's like anything, any bad medicine that you got to take, guys, if you take it quick, it's better. <laughs> If you got to drag it out forever, it's just, it's painful and it doesn't work. I've watched a lot of people leave treatment, guys, and the, the ones that get excited and jump in both feet, they do great. Seems like the ones that drag their feet and are hesitant to engage, they drop like flies because that little window of opportunity is closing. And uh, the deal is it's just important to find a good fellowship of a bunch of little thumpers. And, uh, and that's what we did. I got to tell you, I was here for a short period of time and the, uh, the group that we were in, um, uh, we separated a little bit. We started our own group. We wanted a big book group. We wanted a place where we were going to talk about the literature. All the topics were brought straight out of the big book. And I still go to a meeting similar to that today. We started about 26 years ago after Mark had left town. And we started a meeting. And if you, if you want to come to our club, then you, 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 you can do it. It's fine. But you, the format has got to be involved with the, the big book. It's got to be a literature base. You can't just, there's lots of meetings out there where you can go talk about your dead cat. There's not too many meetings where we can talk about the literature and show the folks what we really want to do. Nothing wrong with dead cat meetings, guys, please. I'm just saying, I don't want to make a steady diet of that. It's not going to keep me sober. So Mark was clear. He got this stuff, I guarantee you, from the writings of Paul Martin. If any of you guys want his articles, I've got them. I can email them to you. He uh, And there's a little book. They published a little book with his articles in there. And uh, these are all grapevine articles that he did back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And uh, uh, But he talked about the, the, the problem with trying to live off a spiritual experience I have 20 years ago or five years ago or 34 years ago. Guys, I don't want to live off a spiritual experience I had back then. We watch a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous do that. I, I want to have a spiritual experience. I had one last weekend, barn burner, standing in those historic sites in Akron, Ohio. I mean, just and being around in a room full of big book thumpers, all carrying big books and all talking, talking. It was the talking about a club. Yeah. Talking about the fellowship you crave. Yeah. I get people all the time. I got to say it, guys. I'm watching that clock close, but I got to say it. It's I, people all the time. You know, I was going to call you, but I didn't want to bother you. You need to understand <laughs> this little skinny one I got is 34 years sober. Because people bother me all the time. God. Guys, we're not going to do this by ourselves. I got to tell you, we, two years ago when we closed the world down, I got, you know, and all the, all the meetings in the areas shut down because of the virus stuff. And it was nasty down here in the hill country. And I got, you know, we were closed for a while. And a lot of people out there that I got to watch, you know, I ain't going to get on those stupid Zooms, you know, uh, I did because somebody asked me to speak and I finally got a, a, a 17 year old to show me how to work Zoom. And, uh, cause that's what us old bastards do. And, uh, you know, and, what was it awkward yes did i make mistakes yes i still do that stupid mute button it never works when i want it to <laughs> just what it's okay i'm surrounded by men and women that that, that love me and they're going to hold me accountable and they're going to stay close 
and we're all on this goddamn path together. And uh, it's it makes everything. I'm going to tell you, watching Mark in the early days when we got together at work and he started doing these workshops with Joe Hawk around the country. And I'm going to just tell you this real quick. I said this at his funeral, too. Uh, some of y'all, I know as Big Book Thumbers, y'all taking some heat from somebody. There's always somebody that wants to make a, a joke at our expense, you know, and uh, always somebody's going to take a shot at the Big Book folks. In uh, certain parts of the country, it's worse than others. And I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, the, the miracle happens in the trench with us. The miracle happens when we're out there helping other alcoholics. But, but you know, the flack that he took, I'm going to tell you, folks, there is some, there's some evil people in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about to the letter of the law, service junkies that want to split hairs with everything you ever did, guys. It's the letter of the law or the spirit of the law, you know? And I got to tell you, there was people out there taking shots at him 24-7. You know, and he'd laugh it off, and I know it hurt him. But he'd take a big old breath and smoke another carton or two of cigarettes. And God dang it, bless his heart. And he'd jump right back out there and start and, and go again. Never said no to any 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 opportunity to get out and share, share some hope. And uh, he'd drive into San Antonio, 60 miles, to go to some of these little meetings where they didn't have a lot of light in them. And he'd go in there with his big book and, and – uh, Come back with a half a dozen sponsees. You know, he was just kind of, he was a big one for doing the work with in a group of us. And, and uh, it was the bomb. No, he wasn't perfect, that's for sure. But boy, I got to tell you, he never once uh, didn't have time to sit with me if something was going on. And uh, he loved my wife, Patty, and he was there when we got married. And, and uh, I just, I don't know. He was such a good guy. I was doing a workshop in uh, Montana. There was a Friday night speaker, and uh, I had just got a flip phone. Y'all remember those? Some of you little old, yeah, little flip phones. You know, not not like I have an iPhone. Yeah, it's an old one, but I've got one. Oh look, Marty's got one. Oh my God, you are so old. I know. <laughs> I had this little flip phone. Anyway, I started as this talk's going on. It's buzzing, and I'm looking down, and and I'd heard that Mark had. Uh, had been in Houston on vacation and he had started Mark Houston recovery and he, things were going good. And he just, uh, things were really good in his life. And uh, he had a new little girlfriend and he was, uh, he was happy. And uh, uh, they'd taken him to the hospital. It hit the, hit the carpet and uh, they'd taken him to the hospital. And before this, this folk had, uh, there in Montana had finished the talk. Uh, I got, uh, uh, I was getting texts that he had passed away. And I spent the night texting and talking to people on the phone that were there. He lived for a while at the hospital and then he passed away. It was stomach aneurysm. And uh, the smoking got him, guys. I'm just going to say it. You can do what you want to go do, but the smoking got him. And he was as healthy as he could be, guys. He lifted weights. He was a, what a specimen of a man. I mean, good looking guy. And, uh, but he's, he just wore out. And uh, I don't know. It was pretty tragic. And, uh, few weeks later, I got my sponsor, I had to, had to get, ask Gary if he'd take me on, and, and uh, I wanted to keep somebody in the same lineage, so I'd know where we were, and uh, uh, I don't know, I still to this day, there's not a week goes by that I don't get calls from people wanting to know about Mark, and, you know, wanting connections to articles he wrote, or, you know, notes that he took, and I mean, he was such a blessed guy, and uh, I got to tell you, a lot of those people, after I, uh, he passed away, and uh, 
in uh, the next, the following August, I uh, I went to work at his place to try to keep it open, and and uh, they had sold it to somebody else, and it's it's a big old concern now. It's a big old fine facility there in Maynard, Texas, and they do a really good job still. But you know his legacy lives on uh, in that uh, in that spot, and uh, he uh, he helped a gazillion people, and uh, every, every bit of it with laughter, every bit of it with that big old deep laugh of his, and uh, he was he didn't have a mean bone in him. I never saw him get mad at anybody folks. Um, he, um, but he could be really direct when you were messing up with a smile on his face, he could cut you pretty good and uh, tell you how to cow eat the cabbage. And I'm so grateful that I was surrounded by people like that. And, um, I don't know what to tell you except this and I'll end with it. You know, he was one of the first guys, um, that talked to me about spiritual warfare. Um, you know, I was raised in the church, folks, and I, I've spent a lot of time away from it. But I, I, the spiritual path, it was really clear that this was all about God and what we were supposed to be doing. Uh, he never, you hear people in AA all the time, you know, you don't want to talk too much about God. You might scare off the newcomer. Mark just laughed. He said, what, what, if, if the solution is God and we don't want to talk about it, why are we even here? You know, it's just like, we got to, let's don't, we're not trying to jam anybody about our beliefs, but, you know, let's do talk about that spiritual path because it's open and roomy and there's room for everyone there. But he talked about this spiritual warfare, folks. He said, Chris, one time he said, he said, Chris, you, when you got sober, it was important that you got, that you stayed spiritually awake. Is that right? And I said, absolutely. Thank God for the steps. And I got connected. And yes. He said, you need to understand that it's more so it's more important now that you stay awake so that you can stay in this on this path with us. Yes. Awake, but asleep. I mean, he talked a lot about it, but the spiritual warfare he talked, he said, it's that voice in your head because there was coming a time people started asking me to speak and I wouldn't do it. Because I am the single shyest guy in the place. Y'all all laugh when I say that, but it's the truth. Anybody, those of you in the room that know me know I'm shy as can be. You know, but he said, Chris, you're not helping anybody by doing this. If you've got a message, they're asking you, you need to get your butt up there and do what you're supposed to do. And uh, stop listening to the voice in your head that tells you you're worthless and that you can't do anything. Uh, you, uh, you're not. Uh, you can do this. And uh he got me up there, my first my first little speaking deal up in North Texas. And then, you know, and his risk, I mean, I've been able to travel the world and shared the podium with a bunch of y'all in this room over the years. And um, what a blessing that's been. Uh, but I can still hear Mark talk about because every once in a while he'd just stop. He'd slow down in the parking lot of the AA group and he'd slow down and he'd, and he'd unroll his window down there. And he says, hey, 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 Raymer, you, you staying spiritually awake today? And he'd laugh that big laugh and he'd roll it back up again. Flick a cigarette butt out the window, he'd roll it, roll the window back up and he'd take off down the road. He's laughing the whole way. Yeah. And that's what I try to do with the guys I'm sponsoring. Guys, it's not me trying to stay sober one stupid day at a time, ever. It's about staying spiritually awake a day at a time. We live life like this. And uh, don't think for a second that you have any idea who God's going to use to help you. And don't think that you have any idea who you're going to help. If you'll suit up and show up, 
and do exactly what these other speakers have been sharing so beautifully all afternoon long and get in that meeting and, and, and be of service and keep an eye on the door for that little newcomer looking down at the floor, scared to death. Go over there first and see if he's got a big book because don't assume he's got one, you know, and sit with him and let him, don't just pat him on the butt, tell him to keep coming back. God, I wish I could get rid of that phrase. We want you to stay. I'm just saying Grab hold of him and make sure that he sits down next to you and, and you can answer the questions. They don't know if it's coffee costs money or how much a big book is or what are they doing? Are we going to stand up? Are we sit down, fight, fight, fight. They don't understand what we're doing. Show them. Then they'll come back. And our membership will continue to grow. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, it's the only game in town. Alcoholics Anonymous is the answer. I don't care what anybody else out there says. I don't care what articles coming down the pike saying that AA doesn't work. It absolutely does work when we actually when we do the things that the book is asking us to do. It, it's infallible. You can't not get well. And uh, I'm so blessed to be here. Allie, thanks for asking me, and and what an honor to share the podium with these nice folks. And uh, Buddy, I'm in Ingram, Texas. If any of you guys ever need me, we'll holler. And uh, I hope I see y'all at the world famous Outpost Recovery Club sometime here. And uh, we meet on uh, Tuesdays and, uh, excuse me, Monday and Wednesday nights. And uh, we'd love to have you. So thank y'all very much.